0: Jesus then dismissed Judas, the traitor, to his betrayers and said this to his disciples in verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples If you love one another. If I had to pick one word to describe the earthly ministry of Jesus in an overarching sense, it would be the word transforming. Everything Jesus touches, he transforms, he transforms the sick into the healthy. The dead into the living, the demonically captive into the liberating. He transforms scarcity into abundance of food. He transforms dull, unbelieving hearts into hearts that embrace the living God. It is especially true as Jesus approaches his crucifixion that he's transforming things. He transforms the Passover meal into the Lord's Supper. He transforms the typical view of leadership by washing the disciples' feet. He transforms the meaning of the old commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, into this thing we're seeing as the new commandment. And it's not coincidental that he does this right on the heels of washing the disciples' feet. It's in this context that Jesus gives the old commandment new meaning. Did you notice from the beginning of the chapter? It says, having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end, begging what question? How did he love them? Love got on its knees. Love Humbly deferred and serve the disciples. That's what's on display in the foot washing. This, Jesus says, is a new way to love. A new commandment I give you. A new commandment, a new way to love. Love one another just as I've loved you. As Jesse explained, this is what we ought to call New Commandment Thursday worship service. That's what the focus should be. So it raises two questions. Number one, What is a commandment? Number two, what is new about the new commandment that Jesus gives us in these verses? So number one, what is a commandment? I'm sorry that I have to ask the question, but it's one of those words that gets bad press. If I said to you, daffodils, teddy bears, you'd smile. When we say the word commandment, people go, you sort of suck the air out of the room. That's unfortunate, and let me tell you why. Because God's commandments are so unbelievably wonderful. For one thing, they tell us about his character. God's law reveals to you who he is. What could be more precious than that, than to know what God is like? His law reveals his character. They reveal his will. They reveal that the one who made you, here's what he tells you is good for you and bad for you because there's no one in the universe more committed to your happiness, your thriving, your flourishing as a human being, than God and his word, his commandments, tell you how to find happiness. That's why we should love the word. The commandments of God are good for you. You can never hurt your soul keeping them. They save you from yourself. You know, we can thank Home Depot and Lowe's for DIY projects at home, do it yourself, but do it yourself morality is really pernicious. Because when you are the ultimate judge of the way you want to live, you will never rise above whatever you think is best for yourself. And we human beings are curved in on ourselves and we're ultimately only serve our own best interests. No, God's commandments are good for you, they set you apart from the world. Because when the world is streaming in this direction and you are seeking to obey God, you are declaring one of the most precious things in the universe, the heart of God. His commandments reveal the heart of God. And the last thing I want to say about commandments is, properly understood, they set the bar so high, properly understood, that they create in us a desperation... Uh, helplessness, they create in us a need to find our obedience to them in another person. Properly understood when the spirit of God is applying the depth of what God requires of you, love God with your whole heart love your neighbor as yourself, you will realize I can never do that. In fact, the commandments of God reveal the most dangerous place to live in the universe. The most dangerous place to live on this planet is the place where you think you can give God the obedience he deserves. Oh, no, you can't. And so I realized when the commandments came home to me, Paul's words in Romans 7, I can't give God that. And so we flee to another who can, the Lord Jesus Christ, who not only cleanses us forever, all time of our failure to keep them, of our transgressions, but he credits to us his own perfect law keeping so that in Christ you have absolutely everything you need to be right with God. It's all through Christ the law shows me that so in that sense Paul tells us the law is like a mirror if I had dirt on my face I couldn't see it right now you could I couldn't so the law is that mirror that shows me how dirty my heart is and therefore the law is a tutor that brings us to Jesus Christ so what is a commandment I hope that helps secondly what exactly is new about Jesus commandment it's new obviously in relation to the old commandment love your neighbor as yourself, we find articulated in Leviticus 19.18. So you couple love your neighbor as yourself with love the Lord your God with all your heart, and you have the summary of the whole moral law. How does Jesus transform that commandment? He puts himself into it. He says to his disciples and to you and to me, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I've loved you. So why should you buy this new and improved version of the old commandment, love your neighbor as yourself? Let me give you a couple reasons. First of all, Jesus supplies a new example. It's Jesus himself. He never tells you what to do without himself embodying it and demonstrating it. How did he demonstrate it? Love gets on its knees. Love defers. Love takes the lower place. Love is humble, other-centered servanthood. Jesus is the par excellence example of that love. Jesus also supplies a new motive. Not just an example, a new motive. Love one another as I've loved you. How did Jesus love you? To the death on the cross your sins deserved. That means you can never really love other people in this way until the cross of Jesus has gripped your heart. And most of you know this from your own experience. It is knowing, savoring, seeing, being being in the grip of the mercy of Christ's love for you, shown in his death, that you are then freed to put your eyes on the needs of others and love them as Jesus has loved you. A new example, a new motive. There's a new method A couple chapters later, John 15, Jesus reaches back when he told his disciples, John 15, 12, this is my commandment, you love one another as I've loved you. They're getting that for the second time. And he annexes something new to it. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends. So it's no longer love others as you love yourself. What is it? It's love others better than you love yourself. (laughs) Which is exactly what Jesus has done. Setting aside his prerogatives. Setting aside his own welfare. Setting aside his safety. Setting aside his glory. And taking in his body the full ugliness, measure, and penalty of your sins. We have to love people better than we love ourselves, putting their welfare ahead of our own. That means, beloved, practically you have to give up the right to be right. You have to give up the right to be esteemed. You have to give up the right to be in control. Jesus Christ had the right to every one of those in every relationship in his life. And he gave those up to offer us an eternal life where we will enjoy his presence forever without sin. You have to give up the right, beloved, to make the relationship about you. You have to give up the right to hold a grudge. You have to give up the right to use your resources just for yourself. Perhaps one of my favorite songs from the 60s illustrates this. The Cow Sills, the rain, the park, and other things. Anybody remember this song? The refrain in it was this, and I know, I know, I know, she can make me happy, happy, happy. Now, on the surface, it sounds very flattering. I know you can make me happy. That is simply a profoundly self-serving view of the relationship. Because when you stop making me happy, guess what? I bolt. True love demonstrated in Jesus, laying down his life for his friends, is this. It is a commitment to give your best to the other person, if even in the face of their worst, serving their needs ahead of your own. That's love supremely demonstrated on the cross when we are crucifying Jesus, and what is he saying back? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Love is a commitment. It isn't a feeling. It is a choice. It is a commitment to give your best to somebody else, if even in the face of their worst, to meet their greatest needs ahead of your own. That's I lay my life down for my friends. And finally, there's a new fruit, according to verse 35. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. I love Christian apologetics. I love thinking about giving answers and cogent, rational reasons for why the Christian worldview is the only worldview that makes any sense whatsoever. I love apologetics. But I realize you can never argue someone into the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying you can woo them in. How? by loving people the way he's just shown us. He says when you love people this way, there is something about it that will get the world's attention and say, my goodness, they must belong to that Savior who loved them to the death, who loved them in spite of being their enemy, who loved them with a love that will never let them go. The world is supposed in God's economy to see this and know we belong to Jesus, and Jesus puts on display the glory of the love with which He's loved you when we love each other this way. There's a lot at stake, isn't there? Let me pray for us. Jesus, what a love. It really is beyond our comprehension, so we need it to fill our hearts increasingly by your Spirit. Give us this grace to lay down our life for our friends, to esteem them more highly than ourselves, to get on our knees, to wash their feet, to serve them, to count their interests ahead of our own, and thereby display the way you have loved us, that you've made us your precious possession, that you are glorified as the God of everlasting love. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.